Hello there and welcome to May Fight Club. Yours truly, Manny G. We're talking about Dana White's Contender Series week number two in the year of 2023. Just to make sure if this is next year, you're not tuning in thinking, oh, it's Contender Series week two. Wrong year. <laughs> We're talking about the full card. It's only five fights. If you're not a avid watcher of Contender Series, I'll tell you pretty simply, it's seven to eight weeks in length we got seven weeks left one week was last week week one it's reality show like you've got five fights dana white determines in the night uh who gets a contract based upon performances and whatever else and so week number one last week he gave out five contracts obviously to all five winners of those fights though i would not expect that in every <laughs> card moving forward um at times he's displayed his Dana, that is, displeasure with not seeing enough finishes. So last week, we did have a lot of decisions, but he still, again, awarded contracts to, to several fighters who won by decision. There was one finish, and that fighter obviously did get a contract. So now this week, brand new group of 10 prospects all vying for a spot to get into the UFC. And some of these fighters have a background. See, that's another thing, too. Side note. This is not for like a 35-year-old, 38-year-old prospect. This is designed specifically for younger prospects who Dana and the matchmakers are looking forward to add to the roster, right? So if you see a guy who's 31, 32, 33, 34, that's an anomaly, but you will see that. <laughs> and it's sort of like a, it's like a jumbo shrimp. It's hard to understand what the rationale is because I've heard Dana say it. He said it last week too. He's like, I'm not looking for 32, 33-year-old prospects. So it's like, then don't put them on, on the show. I don't know what to say about this other than just don't put them on the show then. Um, but Dana's position is that he does not actually get the fighters for the show. He doesn't know anything about them. And that when he sees them there, it's completely raw for the first time. And I, I don't know if that's a shtick or if it's true. Nonetheless, that's how they're pitching it. That Dana has no idea, for example, last week that Almeida, who won by decision, had fought Alex Pereira three times and had actually beat Alex Pereira once. Dana knew nothing about that when he decided to take him as a fighter who won by decision. Bullshit. Anyway, uh, back to this fight card here. So week number two, five new fighters. It's going to take place on... Uh, this volume down here it's a little bit too loud for me taking place on tuesday evening on espn or espn plus in the apex arena there in las vegas so basically the home court of the ufc that they consider that like home base seven o'clock p.m eastern time eastern for me means new york city time so if you're somewhere else around the world just look up what seven o'clock eastern time new york city time is and that'll give you the start time for you. Five fights. The main event does have a fighter, George Hardwick, who's coming over from Cage Warriors. Very accomplished. Uh, we'll talk more about that fight when we get there, but that's probably the biggest name on this fight card. Everyone else kind of a bit of a don't know them. Uh, we'll get to know them here in this breakdown, but like don't know a lot about them. Haven't seen them before. Haven't seen them fight in a... Well, I shouldn't say major because one of these guys here did fight in Bellator. But uh, just again, names we don't recognize, which is, again, what this series is designed for. I do want to say this. 
and I find myself like straying off into details that have nothing to do with the fights, but I just kind of find myself doing that at times. And if you follow me here for a second, this is only five fights, but wouldn't you believe it that in five fights, there's four fighters from the Middle East? And I thought to myself, that cannot be a coincidence. I mean, how many fighters do we have in the UFC from like Cyprus or from Turkey or from Palestine? I mean, I think isn't uh, Bilal Muhammad, I believe he's got Palestinian roots, but like it's like you can count one or two, three maybe fighters in the entire UFC that you can think of that are from Cyprus. None currently. One was way back in the day. So I jokingly to myself, I was thinking the UFC grabbing four fighters from one fight for one fight card, only five total fights, all from the Middle East. Maybe there's like a holiday or something. I looked up some stuff. I couldn't find anything. Maybe you can. It's it's a it's a it's a tip there because where there's smoke, there's fire. It's not by coincidence we have two Turkish fighters, a Palestinian fighter. And then a fighter from Cyprus. And Cyprus, if you don't know, is a small island off the coast of, I guess, Turkey, Africa, kind of Lebanon, all around there. It's in the Mediterranean Sea. But uh, quite a coincidence. And sometimes coincidences aren't for no reason. But nonetheless, the boys from the Middle East are getting a shot here at week two of Contender Series. And so with that said, let's jump into the first fight in the card. It's going to be a fight between Cameron Smotherman, an American fighter, Verse, okay, let me try this out now. I'm going to deep breath here. Charalampos, Charalampos, I believe, almost sounds Greek. Gregorio, I believe that's how you say it. Charalampos, Gregorios, but he goes by just, I believe, uh, Palampos. It's like a short of his name, but we'll just call him Charalampos. I think I can handle that there, but uh, he's the fighter from Cyprus, 7-3, and three, versus the American Cameron Smotherland who is eight and three. So experience in terms of cage time as a professional, very similar, right? Let me give you their side-by-side -side numbers and I'll dive into our breakdown. So Cameron Smotherland, who goes by the baby face killer, appropriate nickname, not just based upon his topology photo, but if you, his even his demeanor, he's not very expressive and does have a very young face. He's 4-1 his last five out of Texas, five, nine in height. So about an inch or two taller here. Then Charlampos. Charlampos is seven and three overall, so similar fight experience again. Three and two in his last five. He's thirty-one years old. For Cameron, let me see if I found his age here. I did. He's twenty-five, so he is six years younger and more in that like age bracket of what the UFC is looking for. Not so much a thirty-one-year-old guy who's been a pro for nine years. You know, Smolin has been a pro for two years. Again, twenty-five. You know, coming out of Texas, has fought in some decent fighters. I would argue the better competition in terms of their comparisons experience wise just about the same fighter iq very similar finishing ability they both have finishes on their resume but it's like who were they fighting we'll talk about that in a second from a striking standpoint you can argue cameron's the better striker and even has power it it, it just it's like i don't know it's hard to say that for sure uh, there's some moments where uh, Charlampos looks good too in striking, and again, it's against who. So, striking wise, I give maybe a slight edge there for Cameron, but they're in a similar wheelhouse there for grappling. Again, as well, I've seen both guys do good things in grappling. I'm not sure one guy has an advantage over the other. Let me read to you the breakdown here that we have in our newsletter. All right, so first fight again on the prelim or not prelim, <laughs> it's only one card here, no prelim. 
First fight on the card, a bantamweight bout. Sutherland's now favored at minus 175. You've got Charles Lempos at plus 130. We like Sutherland to win the fight by decision. This fight, at the very least, right off the bat, will get the fight off the fight card off to a good start because they're both very competitive. It will look good. It'll be a quality fight. Um, it could even maybe get the fight of the night with both guys getting a contract. I mean, how about that? I mean, it's going to be close enough where both guys will do a few things that are very good. And who knows? Maybe Dana's in a, in a giving mood. Um, in the case of Smelin, he recently won the Fury FC Bantamweight Strap. He's riding a four-fight win streak. He's got a 3-2 and two record in the amateur ranks before going pro two years ago, 2021. He prefers to work at range where he can set up his power punches. Five of his eight wins are by way of finish. His striking technique needs some work, though, and his volume can be a factor at times, meaning like his lack of volume. Kind of like just trying to find the perfect punch. For Smotherland, he leaves, Smotherland, sorry, he leaves his hands very low at times, and his chin is quite high. So in exchanges, in the in the booth, so to say, where he likes to actually exchange with a fighter, um, he could leave himself open to a counter strike. Furthermore, he doesn't move his head very much, and if he does, it's the you know lean back thing. It's not side to side. So when it comes to Smotherland, he's got good striking power and good overall technique. Volume could be better at times, and maybe striking defense could use an improvement. Now, last fight on film. I noticed that Rafian Stotts or Rafian Stotts from Bellator, the Bellator title contender, was in the corner of Cameron. That's probably because they're training in the same gym. That's like it's it's common for teammates to corner each other. So that's a good sign. Probably training with some good guys. So we do like that. He is very young, 25. Should be making some big improvements here. I think this is more the spot for him to succeed. And for Charles Lampos, it's more of an uphill. It's going to take more, right? It, it makes sense. He's the underdog here. But it, minus 175 for Cameron, it's not terrible favorite money. It's not like he's minus 275. So it's playable right now as a dual play and maybe even as a parlay piece. All right. On that note, guys, betting spots. Oh, one more thing here. We, we forgot to talk about my man over here, Charlampos. <laughs> Charlampos. He hails from a small island nation of Cyprus. We talked about that before. He's from Cyprus, small island country, like 1.2 million people. He would be the second UFC fighter ever to be in the UFC from uh, Cyprus, so kind of be a big deal for his country. When his opponents are weakening, he senses it. He goes for the kill. He goes after it. He lost to Christian Rodriguez a few years ago in CFFC. Now, Mr. Rodriguez is now currently in the UFC and doing pretty well, so that's a, that's a quality loss in CFFC, which is a good promotion. At the very least, we know that he he's a kind of guy where he can share the cage with guys that are UFC potential. Our biggest critique with him, though, is the quality of the wins, though. The combined record of the last three people he defeated is 13 and 16. The last three wins, those three opponents combined, 13 and 16. So for us right now, it's like he's not facing the best competition. He also has an early loss on his resume to a three and four fighter named Ismailov. There's flags there for Gregorio. I mean, I like the opportunity for him. He's coming from Cyprus. I'm sure he's motivated. Just seems like Cameron is the guy who's more prepared for this spot, has been in a win streak, has fought the better competition, and I just trust him more here. So at minus 175, I'll probably put Cameron into at least one parlay. I don't know if I'm willing to go to the table with like minus 1.75 units. I mean, 1.75 units to make a unit. It's contender series. I don't have that much confidence. We've seen people drop the ball, but definitely going to look at this as a parlay piece. Now, the prop bets we would like here are the fight going over 1.5 rounds. But the fight also not going to the de decision. And of course, well, then as a parlay piece. So again, over 1.5 rounds, fight not going to decision. And so well, then as a uh, parlay piece. All right.
that's your first fight on the uh, fight card here for week number two of Contender Series. Tomigans, what's up? How are you? Anthony, how are you, boys? I am uh, going to fly through Contender Series. I figured I would just do it live so people that maybe are online, whatever, just looking to shoot the shit, they can come on by and say what's up. Um, but there's a lot on TV right now. There's like, there's baseball on. I was just watching some preseason football. There's a lot of stuff uh, sports-wise to be watching on TV. So if you're not here watching me on YouTube, it's okay. I'm not going to take it personal. <laughs> anyway, let me do this and um, keep it moving here for Contender Series so we are staying on topic. So that first fight again, we like Cameron Smotherland to win by decision. And our, our prop lock there would be the fight starting round number two. Though I noticed last week on DraftKings, you couldn't bet prop for individual rounds that didn't open up so i probably won't be able to play that which means i'll probably go with like the fight going over 1.5 as the prop lock for that information please subscribe to our newsletter okay second fight ebo aslan versus paul renato jr a light heavyweight bout so these are bigger boys 205 pounders aslan is the minus 160 favorite renato jr is at plus 120 let me give you guys their particulars Mr. Renato Jr. excuse me, is from Brazil. He's 12 and 2 overall. Four, I'm sorry, 4 and 1 in his last five. This font is way too small. I don't know why. That's so small. He's uh 29 years old. So good age here for a light heavyweight on this show. Six foot in highway to 73 inch reach out of Infinity Fight Team. For Mr. Ebo Aslan, the last Ottoman, a Turkish fighter, 11 and 1 overall, 4 and 1 in his last five. Impressive record, high winning percentage, right? 27 years old, 6'3", so taller and younger. You do like all that about Mr. Aslan. His profile picture, he's got his lats just like all exploding out of the back of his neck. <laughs> In terms of our side-by-side -side comparisons for them, we like Renato's experience advantage here over Aslan. We also think Os we also question Aslan's fighter IQ, so fighter IQ-wise, we give a small advantage there to Paul Renato. For cardio... Yeah, big question marks about Ebo Aslan's cardio. We do give an advantage there to Renato as well. Finishing ability, uh, I'm I'm not sold. Neither guy's finishing ability. Wouldn't be surprised if this fight goes longer. And for striking, uh, again, it's it's negligible. I think Renato does a better job of of volume and just getting more out there. But the power is, uh, and for Ebo Aslan, I worry about cardio and then lack of volume later on. For grappling, that's where Aslan has the advantage here. That would be his path to victory. For me, the fight not going to decision is a good prop to consider under two and a half rounds in the round three KO for Renato Jr. Let me give you guys the uh, the written breakdown here. So Renato was on contender series last season where he came up short. He was in a heavyweight bout, though. So he was fighting at heavyweight, which he had no business doing so. He weighed in like 221 pounds. Dude, that's like... <laughs> 20 something no yeah 221 is yeah 221 is like a full almost 44 pounds below you know the limit it's like dude he fought against uh jamal pogue and it, you know he survived i give him that he survived the full fight he didn't get cracked but jamal pogue's been to the decision like constantly so it's kind of like where it's a half glass full half glass empty situation here if you look at Ronaldo's resume, it reveals a it reveals a lot of first round knockouts. He knocked out three opponents in a row since the since the last loss last year. So he lost last year contender series. Then he had three fights 
knocks out three guys back to back to back in the first round. At first glance, you're like, oh, he's back. Now he's down at 205. You're feeling good about it, right? But then you look at the guys he knocked out. <laughs> oh, no. If you watch them on film, it's oh, no. But the records in themselves say a, a big part of the story. The last three opponents he knocked out, the last three fights he fought since last year's loss on Contender Series, 0-2, and 6-6, six and six, and the other guy is 20-26. and 26. So they're all at or below 500, but man, not the kind of guys where you're like, oh, who he knocked out? He knocked out nobody. So bottom line, he doesn't have a quality win. And last time he fought an uh, okay heavyweight, kind of Jamal Pogue, who's one and one, I believe, in the UFC. He lost by decision. So his 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 record, his resume is just paper thin. It's like we get nothing from this other than the fact that we know he can survive and run at range and box around, have decent cardio against his subpar heavyweight. That's about all we know. Is that enough to win this fight here against Ebo Aslan? It might. <laughs> Ebo Aslan's an interesting prospect from Turkey. He lost to Antoine Turkle. Turkali, Turkali, however, T-U-R-K-A-L-G, that J, that dude. Go back and watch that fight. What a hot mess. Both guys at, at points do a few good things, but, man, it gets hot and ugly. Anton, lucky he won the fight because he, he was all over the place. It got sloppy. But the main takeaway was that Ebo Aslan had, had taken round one. All right, things are going okay. He was working on round number two, and then it was like somebody just, boom, <laughs> shot him. <coughs> Cardio fell out the floor, and he just gets overwhelmed, and it gets finished by Turkle. Guys with cardio like that, I I've seen guys like that. Uh, is it Adolfo? Adolfo Vieira, I believe, the, the jacked grappler in the UFC who just... Never forget it against Fluffy Hernandez. He's beating the hell out of Fluffy Hernandez, and then he just... Can't, can't move. So um, that's a big red flag here for Ebo Aslan. He can wrestle, probably can take down Renato if he can get in the hips. He's very strong. Uh, but, man, he's got to improve. Now, also, record-wise, here's another guy with a record who's like, ah, who has he been fighting? Who has he been beating? Right, He's 11-1. and one. The record of his last three opponents, the records of those three guys, the last three, right? It's a good sample size. 6-15. and 15, Eight and twenty-three and five and ten. And that's not like UFC guys. That's not Bellator dudes. That's not Cage Warriors. That's not PFL, LFA, you know, CFFC. I mean, no. It's not, you know, it's not any of the promotions you could say, hey, Cage Warriors, you can respect it. At least he's fighting okay competition. It's regional people. So if you go, if you're fighting guys like that. It, it's like basically you're fighting in your backyard. So hard to gauge these two guys, their, their, their level of competition. And that goes back to why we like Renato here, because at least he fought on contender series last year. He did fight a UFC fighter. That guy, it, he's in the UFC. He's a heavyweight. Maybe not a good one, but still, Renato did that. That gives me something, some sliver of hope. And at plus 120, it's about all I need is a sliver of hope. Um, just hard here to get on either side. Um, looking at a few more notes here. So at 27 years old, though, for Aslan, he is young enough to improve the cardio, right? Uh, make those changes. And in his case, like I just talked about how like Renato's fought a UFC fighter. Well, Anton Turkle's in UFC too. 
So they both have that on their resume. This is a close fight. I love the line here. I would love to hear people's comments the next, you know, 24, 48 hours from people even who are capping the fight to hear how they're breaking this fight down. But I can go with either side, but I'm going to go with Renato just because he has walked through the cage before, has been the contender series, knows what that's like, um, has gone the full distance with a guy who's, you know, in the UFC. I, I do like that. And I guess with Ebo Aslan, he fought Turco, but he didn't, you know, go the full distance. Neither guy has been knocked out before. That's a very interesting stat here. So both guys have not been knocked out. So we're expecting the fight goes longer, over 1.5 rounds. Oslin could gas out again. You know, Turkle submitted him. He could gas out again, and that would open the opportunity maybe for Rado for a round two, round three TKO. Will that be enough for a contract? I think if Renato knocks him out in any way, shape, or form, or this guy knocks out Renato, they probably get a contract. Probably, especially after last week. Like, how can Dana knock him a contract after last week's stuff? All right, so... All right, little side note here. Um, oh, yeah, so here's a side note. Let me just give you guys, this, this is like your pick up the blunt, puff, puff, and, and hear me out on something here. I think I posted something about this the other day uh, regards to like the Dana White Contender Series format and how they do it. And just something to sort of remind ourselves about. Like, first of all, it's entertainment. All of professional sports is entertainment it's there to just give us something to pass the time enjoy root for a team it's not meant to be 100 percent fair it's not meant to be ethically perfect uh it's it's not meant to even follow all the rules it's literally meant to entertain and i would do the comparison of like basketball if anyone here has watched some basketball or you know what i'm talking about the nba it does favor the stars and so stars can get away with some travel sometimes to get a few more fouls. It's just because why? It's entertainment. The league is selling viewership. They want people to be entertained. If they have a star, they're going to do things. They're just it's just the way the format works. Same thing with the NFL and everything else. Tom Brady's career. If you don't know, I mean, he won a Super Bowl because of a rule they 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 created during the game, the tuck rule. So. You know, when there's a star in the making and, and the system wants that star to, to rise to the top, they will do some things that are interesting. But let me get back to the point of this. So Dana White, his process of deciding who gets a contract it is a sliding scale. And it's okay. It is appropriate. It's his show. It, that's why it's called Dana White's. It's not called uh, UFC's Contender Series. It's called Dana White's Contender Series. This very much underlining the fact that he is the one making decisions here that the show is designed for him also to have a swaying pendulum of of uh, parameters for how he decides who gets a contract that's part of the drama like there's no it's not like a basketball game 10 points five points and objective like no no this is like you got some judges going on they got some you got dana i don't know who i like or don't like maybe they need some fighters in the rosters for weight class they're just a bunch of different variables leaving dana as ultimately like donald trump on the apprentice where he's the one making the final decision even if he's not using objective measures right that's just how it's designed the show is meant to be this way we have to remind ourselves again entertainment this is not a five fight card of mixed martial arts it's a five fight reality television show type of event where a win is not enough they all know that 
There's twisting of different things. I even think the judging is completely possibly rigged on these shows because it's a it's a television show. This is a television show. We have to this is not just a fight card. It's a television show. And it's called Dana White's Contender Series. I think I've underlined the, the parameters here. And pro sports in general, just like professional wrestling, it's meant to entertain. So fairness, objective measures, objective scoring, objective judging, where we know the scorecards, Hakeem Duwadu, Cub Swanson. You know, these things are all possible because it's not, it's, they leave all this room in here for the gray area. And this show highlights that, right? So, for example, last week, Dana only signs Almeida because Almeida beat Alex Pereira a few years ago or a while ago in kickboxing, in glory kickboxing. They fought three times. Dana doesn't sign him at 30, what, 32, 33 because he won by decision. He signs him because. The UFC system, they know they're smart. We can market this young man, not young man, market this fighter as he beat Pereira one time. Even if this guy Almeida has like four or five fights in UFC and fizzles out, they have a little something extra to market him as. So that had nothing to do with the performance, right? That had nothing to do with the performance. That was strictly based upon marketing and what they saw as the objective for what they're trying to achieve, which is all entertainment-based. Nothing to do with, again, the performance, right? And you'd expect now the next fight for Almeida, which may even be this year as a replacement somewhere, they'll talk about, he beat, he beat Alex Pereira, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so good for the UFC. They always have their eye on the prize, you know what I mean? Um, furthermore, Dana has referenced the betting odds when trying to determine a contract for, for winners. Uh, let me say it again. He references the betting odds as a as a factor for him when deciding who gets a contract. And I mean it this way. He said last year on several episodes, especially one, I think the Williams guy, right? I think Carl Williams, maybe the heavyweight who came in on like day's notice. He wrestled for three full rounds, ugly ass fight, got a win by decision. And Dana came and said after the fight, he's like, he came in on late notice and as a big underdog. And so, you know, in da 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 contract. And I'm thinking to myself, why would the betting odds have anything to do with, like, it has nothing to do with anything? I mean, <laughs> why would, why? and I thought to myself, okay, well, that's a shout out to the betting partners like DraftKings. I mean, all right, I get you, Dana. I see you, bud. You're smart. But it just goes to show you. There is no objective measures here. It's just a sliding scale. They just slide it around here, slide it around there. Like sometimes the betting odds, sometimes I don't even know what it is about the fighter. I just like them. He said that almost verbatim. I don't know what it is about her, but I'm going to give her a chance. When he signed Haley Cowan last year, I just about was like, I couldn't believe it. She won by a split decision in a fight where I thought she clearly lost. Spent the better part of rounds two and three to finish those rounds on her back. And it's amazing, but she wins by a split. She was a plus like 120 underdog, so it's a pick and price. And Dana, after the fight, says, yeah, I don't know what it is, but we're going to give her a shot. I'm like, well, I, I kind of have an idea what it is. She's somewhat attractive. She's blonde and she's American. And they're always going after the, Ron, the next Ronda Rousey, right? So you bring in Haley Cowan.
So I just want to put it in perspective here as to what's really going on. Contender Series is a popularity contest. Dana White is the one making the decisions. And ultimately, who gets a contract is just completely up to whatever Dana wants to do. Has nothing to do with their performance. I want to say it again. Haley Cowan, you cannot rationalize that performance was contract worthy, but he signed her. Last week, Almeida, you can't rationalize that was contract worthy, but he signed him. So expect more of that where you'll see him sign a fighter that maybe is like, ah, probably could have done a little bit more there, probably should have done more, but for some reason they need more fighters in that division or Dana just simply wants to get the deal done. Look at last year. Bo Nickel fought twice on Contender Series. That was almost looked like, looked like it was on purpose. They wanted to have him fight twice to sort of build his name up even more. Even though he was coming out of college as a hyped-up wrestler, but use that platform to build him up even more. And that's possibly the case here with George Harwick in the main event. Let me just put a bow in this rant here, though. I just want to make sure I'm clear. I love Contender Series. I just think it's important for us to realize what this is. This is entertainment. This is not like a competitive Junior Olympics swimming tournament where people are clocking and everything's objective and it's fair and there's no cheating and there's no, you know, this is full on entertainment. <laughs> so expect and expected, expect things that don't necessarily add up objectively because it's it's for us to be entertained. So on that note, uh, last week, by the way, Diaz crushed our parlays, the biggest favorite in the card, crushed us. The crushing. All right, so for that fight, by the way, that's the last thing we're talking about was Ebo Aslan versus uh, Paulo, Paulo Renato. We do like Renato to win the fight. We like him by decision, and we like the fight going over 1.5 rounds. I'm sorry, fight not going to decision. <laughs> what was I saying? Not going to decision in the fight, though, going over 1.5 rounds. Low level of, uh, of um, confidence in both guys. Our hope Ron Renato is that he simply outlasts Oslan. Oslan gets tired again like he did in that fight against Turkle. We get into round two and a half into that range. Renato is just a fresher fighter, able to land more. And Renato did look pretty good in rounds two and three against Pogue from a cardio standpoint. He was able to move around, was light on his feet. Um, that was up 15 or so more pounds than he's going to be for this fight. So I'm thinking he'll be the fresher fighter down the stretch. All right, moving on. Fight number three, Haider Amil at minus 225 versus Emra Sanmez at plus 160. And here we go with another fighter from the Middle East. Mr. Emra Sanmez is also from Turkey. He's currently 14 and four, a little more experienced than most fighters that would be on this show. 18 total pro fights, a featherweight bout, 145 pounders for Haider Amil. Goes with a hurricane, 7 and 0, undefeated, obviously 5 and 0 in his last five. From California, he's the favorite at 33 years old, 31 years old for Sanmez. Again, both guys a little on the older side, especially for Emil, 33, right? He's five foot eight for Emil. Reach wise, no no numbers here, but Emra is the listed height, uh, height has a height advantage at two inches. For fight gyms, Emil's out of El Nino Training Center, and Emra Sanmez is trained out of Great Britain top team. Okay, um, our notes here. In terms of their side-by-side -side comparisons, we do like Sanmez's experience. 18 total fights compared to seven for Emil. You could argue Emil's fought the better competition in those seven fights, but still you have to give Emma Sanmez the experience advantage. Fighter IQ, cardio, finishing, all about the same. Give a slight advantage there in striking to Hyder Emil. He's the one who likes to work more at range and has a nice arsenal, employs a bit of a kickboxing karate style to, to his striking, whereas Sanmez does his best work on the ground and likes to grapple. I would give him the advantage here on the ground. All right, so for our breakdown here, Haider Amil by decision is the prediction. 
Emil is an athletic fighter that utilizes a karate style, like I said before, incorporates a variety of powerful kicks into his game plan. He sports an impressive 6-0 record between his Bellator and LFA time. So they've been 3-0 in Bellator and 3-0 in LFA. That's very impressive. That might be all you need to know here about these two fighters. Most of Emil's wins are by finish, but he has been to multiple split decisions. And the two split decisions, the two splits, by the way, are our biggest concern. One of those fighters is 2-2-1, two, two and one, and the other one is 11-8-1. and one. You know, barely winning, in essence, over 500-level fighters, that is concerning. At 33 years old, it's clearly now or never. He can't afford to lose. If it's a close fight and he wins by a close decision, Dana probably doesn't sign him. And he'll probably say this week, well, he's a 33-year-old guy, but don't really sign you know. But last week it was Almeida. Last week they signed Almeida when he won by decision, right? Watch how this week it flips around. If Amil wins by decision, he won't get signed. For Sanmez, a balanced wrestler that recently notched his second win on, on Cage Wars, I believe he got four fights in Cage Wars. He went two and two in Cage Wars. A little bit more experienced than most of the contestants on Contender Series. Sanmez depends on his wrestling. I mean, he's wrestling dependent. Um, usually throws a few punches as like a distraction just to get in on the legs and get a takedown. If he's forced to fight on the feet for long periods of time, I, a period of time, I believe Emil would expose him. He's just not a very good striker. It's all, like I said, an illusion to set up takedowns. Cardio could also be a bit of an issue for him. I would say that at times he'll look tired. He'll keep performing. I just wonder here if Emil really takes him longer to two and a half, round three, how tired will he look and how much fresher might Emil look. This fight may very well, might very well come down to just simply who's got the better endurance. I think it's going to be Emil. Betting targets here. Fight just not going to decision. And Emil... You know, at minus 225, it's a bit rich. Maybe put him into a parlay. Next fight. Janina, 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 Janina. It sounds crazy saying it that way. Janina Silva at plus 120 versus Eduarda Mora at minus 150. We'd like Mora here to win the fight by decision. Let me grab their profiles real quickly for you guys. Both fighters out of Brazil. I mean, how many female Brazilian fighters are there? Just tons. A strawweight bout, 115 pounders, and you've got Eduarda Mora, who goes by Ronda, as in Ronda Rousey. She's undefeated at 8-0, 29 years old, so good age for this opportunity. Five foot six with a 66.9 inch reach out of Galapao da Luta Gym. For Janina Silva, who goes by Jaina Papazina, I think I'm saying that right, probably not. Five and zero, also undefeated. Slight dog here from Sao Paulo, Brazil. 31. I mean, not not too old, but she's the one who's a little bit older here by two years. She's 5'1", a little bit shorter. If you see her physique, she's got a little bit more of her weight in her lower body. I am not body shaming, not suggesting she's fat or has a big ass or anything. Just saying her legs, her thighs, a little bit thicker there. So that's why as a shorter fighter, she tends to you know wear her weight you know differently from a longer fighter like Mora. And for Silva, she's got smaller arms or shorter reach here with 63-inch reach compared to 66 inches for, for Mora. And for Silva out of Babuño or Babuño Gold Team. These names, he's uh, doing the best I can. <laughs> okay. As for our notes, I'll keep it pretty short and sweet. The opening line here of minus 150 for Mora, I don't want to jinx her. I just think it's such a good price. We like her quite a bit. We did the analysis of her before the line came out, and I was like, oh, wow, it's a really good fight for her. You know, they're both, again, undefeated, so that looks good on paper, but when you watch them actually fight, to me, it's like I, I feel like Mora is much better. Now, here's the one curveball, the big one. Who have they fought? Who have they been fighting? Silva's last opponent, she's five and four. Okay, all right. But that lady 
that former opponent, before she had fought Silva in that last fight, she hadn't fought in five years. Five years. Mora's last opponent is two, two, and one. And go back and look at that fight. I have never seen somebody tap two, two things, tap so fast and tap so frantically. Mora goes, and by the way, the link to that fight is in our Excel sheet, which is part of our um, our fighter, whatever, fighter research tools. That link is in the bottom of our newsletter breakdown. You'll see it there. Another reason for you to subscribe to our newsletter. <laughs> but that's a free access tool with uh, data, data information with the fighters and also links to prior fights. But here's a link that you should look at, the link to, to Mora's last fight. She fights this fighter who's 2-2-1, two, two and one, and as she goes to submit the fighter, this girl, I mean, I, I've never seen somebody tap so fast and again so frantically. She, before Mora gets her rear naked choking, the girl just starts, like, it, she, she's like almost playing the drums here tapping, and I'm like, yo, who is this chick? So, bottom line, they're very unproven, haven't fought anybody. All that said, though, Mora looks like the much better wrestler since they're both average strikers the wrestling could be the difference maker i think it is neither of them is an amazing striker i don't expect us to see a um you know a floyd mayweather you know manny pacquiao performance here <laughs> i expect to see some grabbing some holding uh some some clock time that goes by and, and even position control here for mora would be a good deal Ideal scenario for, for Mora is the submission, right? She's got some grappling ability, but they're both Brazilian. They both have some ability to defend. And Silva, you know, short arms, not going to be easy to grab an arm bar and has, has been durable, has shown good energy late in fights. So, yeah, toss up here, but give me Mora by decision. The betting targets here, fight goes over 1.5 rounds and Mora as a parlay piece at minus 150. Yeah, I'm saying parlayable. Last fight in the card, George Hardwick at minus 350. He is the biggest favorite on this fight card here for week number two. Up against Abdul Al-Salwadi at plus 240. And Mr. Abdul Al-Salwadi is, again, the fourth of the four Middle Eastern fighters coming in on this fight card here for week number two. And he is from the wonderful country of Palestine. I don't mean to be sarcastic. They are good people, but uh, often demonized in the media at times as being, you know, a bunch of terrorists. And there's a lot of great people from that country. So um, always best wishes to the people that are in the in the war zone between them and the countries that they're in conflict with, um, mostly Israel. But uh, still, yeah. So Mr. Abdul Karim Al-Salwadi, by full name, is 14-3 and three overall, 4-1 his last five, now based out of Dallas, Texas. So he's over here in the Americas. 28 years young, great age, 26 for George Harwick. Also, this is like the prime age for this show what you know really kind of you know dana and the guys are looking at here five seven for abdul 68 inch reach at a four to mma so training here in the americas with some good opponents or good teammates i'm sorry for mr george harwick 12 and one overall on a winning streak he's five on his last five out of the uk from england 26 years old five nine in height no reach number on him out of middlesbrough's fight academy and so Mr. Harwick, if you don't know about Harwick, let me just tell you this right now. He's a guy who's kind of built himself a name already up over in the Cage Warriors scene. He's had a handful of fights in Cage Warriors, has already captured a Cage Warriors title. Matter of fact, he has a brother who's pretty damn good, who probably could get a call up to contend series maybe this year or next year. And you know, you know, UFC likes that, the brother combination or brother-sister, whatever. No, nah, we don't have any brother-sisters. 
But Cortez's brother tried last week. He didn't do it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so in any case, here's a guy who's been on the scene for a minute. Some would argue he's a guy who's done enough to actually already get signed and be in the UFC. But who knows? Like maybe this is the opportunity for the UFC to do the same thing they did last year with Bo Nickel. Like give him some shine, get him out there, you know, get him a nice win. And then from there, the springboard into the UFC. All that said, Abdul Al Salawadi is no pushover. He is a live dog at plus 240. Um, Harwick should win, should win. And uh, we'll talk about how he does that. But uh, with that said, Harwick by round one knockout is our prediction. Harwick is being set up in our our opinion here for a good opportunity to make it like a, a UFC sort of blast into UFC debut kind of get a contract. Now, what I like most about this opponent here for Abdul, Abdul's been finished in the first round three times. And George Harwick does some good work in the first round. So if Abdul has been getting knocked out in round number one by regional type of folks, I mean, it's almost all I have, had to, all I have to see here. Harwick has faced a better competition. He's proven. He's been in the Cage Warriors scene for a minute. Um, he's probably known about this fight for six, seven months. Whereas Abdul's probably known about this fight for like two and a half, three weeks. I'm not kidding. I'm speculating. I don't know that. But I'll give you an example. Last year, Haley Cowan. You can look it up too. Haley Cowan, you can go back to like prior articles. She was aware of her contender series fight literally almost a year in advance. Like UFC was telling her a year before her matchup of contender series, we're going to bring you in, give you a shot, you know, next year contender series, prepare, get ready to go. They had told her opponent, the Brazilian girl she fought, that girl had two weeks notice. So you see, sometimes they'll set up a fighter to just simply have the advantages here. I would not be shocked if George Harwick knew about this months ago. Maybe he even knew six months ago, listen, if, you know, whatever, this, this, and that, we're looking to get you in contender series. Whereas Abdul Al-Salawadi probably knew about this fight less than a few weeks ago. And from that standpoint, again, big advantage to George Harwick. He knew about it. He was more prepared. He, he expected this to be happening, whereas Abdul Al-Salawadi could have been working a full-time job, training kind of not full-time, gets the phone call late, Got to get ready here. You got about two weeks, buddy. Got to fly halfway around the world. Well, in his case, no. He's down in Texas at a, at a gym. But you get the point. Um, it can be unfavorable. Give me George Harbaugh to win by round one knockout. I think he's got about a, a bunch of advantages here. Has fought again. Better competition. The fight does not go the distance. And Harbaugh into the distance are the props that we'll consider. And that's your full card breakdown for week number two of Dana White Contender Series. Let me give you guys a summary of our picks to win. In essence, giving you guys like our swift picks, right? All right, we got Smotherland, Renato. I like Renato to win by knockout. I think I think Renato's going to take care of him in uh, round number three. But you know what? Yeah, round number three, Paul Renato. Because Paul Renato doesn't push an active pace forward, but he will jab with you at range, and then it'll add up, and then I think eventually Oslan fatigues by round by round three knockout. Update my uh, notes here. For those that are subscribed to our newsletter, that uh, breakdown for contender series is going to be coming out sometime this evening, Sunday evening, nice and early with just the money line numbers. We don't have the full list of props that won't be out until probably Tuesday. Last week it came out on Tuesday, so we have to expect the same thing here. It's going to come out very late, which means our tip sheet for this will be coming out sometime on on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, pretty late. Okay. 
Here are Swift picks for week number two of Dana White Contender Series. The first fight, Cameron Smotherland, minus 175 against Charles Lampos, Gregoria at plus 130. We like Smotherland by decision. Second fight in the card, Paulo Renato at plus 120 versus Ebo Aslan at minus 160. Give us Paul Renato Jr. by round three knockout. Next up, we've got Hyder Emil at minus 225 versus Emra Sanmez at plus 160. We like Hyder Emil to win by decision. Next up, Janayan Silva at plus 120 versus Eduardo Mora at minus 150. A strawweight bout. We like Mora by decision. Last fight in the card, George Harwick at minus 350 versus Abdul Al Salwadi at plus 240. We like George Harwick to win by round one knockout. And those are your swift picks for UFC's week two of Dana White's Contender Series coming up this Tuesday. All right, so that's our swift picks. You guys got the picks here for the, for the card. In terms of our full bets and our tips and all this, Subscribe to our newsletter. Let me give you guys the link right now. It's really important you do that. By subscribing to our newsletter, you do two things. Number one, you subscribe to one of the best newsletters in the planet for MMA. For real. For real, for real. Number two, you support our content. You support what we're doing here. There's a free version and a paid version. Either one, we appreciate it very, very much. Uh, for those in the comments section, you guys who came through, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Crush the grapes, drink the wine. Love that comment. I am out of wine right now. It's still early enough to go to the store, maybe get some wine for tonight. I'm going to look at some TV, relax. Maybe do some research for UFC's fight night event coming up this week. There's also some PFL. I have some research to do there too. But uh, I'll be chilling. He did. Almeida did win the fight. That's true. But I'm just saying he won by decision. So, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's kind of tough. Anthony W, Tom Miggins, you guys are the best. I got to jump off of here, guys. You know why? I got to cut this film, get the uh, the film uploaded for you guys, get the newsletter out. But uh, thank you guys for joining. Appreciate you guys supporting the channel as always. Please like, please subscribe. We'll see you guys soon. And for those betting on week number two contender series, I wish you guys the best of luck. Deuces. If I walked up to someone else and ripped their heart out.